welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey what's up, everybody? Oh, hey. hey, hey. Huh? Oh. We both are doing an intro together. <laughs> welcome, Bobby. And everybody else listening. First Timothy 5, and it's Friday, episode 85. Uh, just like last week, we're going to pick it up at verse 1 and just kind of work our way through the chapter. And really, what's happening in First Timothy, Paul has given Timothy a lot of advice for how to um, organize the church, how mm-hmm. to relationally navigate through through situations at the church. How do you mm-hmm. interact with people at the most basic of level, from um, children to parents to men to women to old folks to widows widowers, like how do you handle mm-hmm. these situations? And uh, he's going to continue to unpack that in First Timothy chapter 5. Yeah. And one of the, the first takeaways for me is he's talking to, Tim, uh, to Timothy saying, don't rebuke older men harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. So mm-hmm. it's really important to note, just like judgment, um, judgment and rebuking have a place in our spiritual walk. It's how you go about it is most important. Hmm. So when it comes to judgment, the Bible teaches us that you and I are supposed to look at the plank in our own eye before you deal with the speck in somebody else's eye. Uh, 2 Timothy, uh, I believe it's 2 Timothy 2, talks about how we are supposed to um, work through like, the correction of somebody else's sin with great humility yeah. and in love. And so here he's saying it's not wrong to rebuke. That's actually a command. Mm-hmm. It's don't rebuke harshly. And the thing I come back to is what's the end goal of correction? Right. If the end goal of correction is to move someone back towards Jesus, right. then that should help us be kind and gentle and loving and humble. Totally. If if the end goal of correction is to make someone feel terrible yeah. and worthless and all that, then it's like, then that's going to change the way I talk to you. Mm. And uh, and that that's that's harder to say than do, even right now as I look at my beautiful children not listening to we me coming out of the rooms. Every talking time. to the microphone, but looking around, <laughs> there's people everywhere. God's forcing us to walk the walk and talk the talk right now. Your water. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get waters. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get. Well, I'll keep going. My Bobby handles the the hydration station at the Corvette house. The rebuking. In love when our kids don't listen to us at all. We're at this season right now where you're like, hey, will you please do this? No. You're like, okay, uh, please go do this. No. <laughs> all right, God, give us the grace and the tools to navigate these conversations. Lord, help us. If you want to join us for uh, family Zoom nights, this is the kind of thing we're talking about, all right? As as the writing continues, though, in First Timothy chapter 5, Paul starts breaking down specific situations that that Timothy's having to navigate. Like, what about people who need help and love? What about widows? What about godly widows? What about ungodly widows? So if you look with me at verses 4 and 8, Paul makes a really clear statement on, like, how are we supposed to handle people who have lost loved ones in their need of help? Verse 4, he says, If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. So repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. Mm. And then verse eight, he doubles down and says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially mm. for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Mm. Paul is saying, if, if your mom and dad or your grandparents are in need and you're not help of them, mm-hmm. helping them, he questions the legitimacy of your faith. 
It's like, mm. wow, that's a zinger. That is a zinger. It's and, good. Uh, it's good. It's a hard word. You might not even like your parents or your grandparents, but there's still a responsibility and a duty to live out mm. the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I think for, for us too, um, we've, that's been modeled so well for us. Yeah. Especially just like watching Uncle Ken and yeah. Lisa love Grandpa and Grandma, Pastor Harold and Shirley the last couple of years. If yep. you've ever seen our house, our house has like the whole front of the house is like mostly windows. Mm-hmm. And so every breakfast, every lunch, every dinner, every bedtime, we would see Uncle Ken and Lisa walking by just to go check yep. on Grandpa and Grandma across the street, making sure the garbage was taken out. How could they help them? They have food or groceries or whatever. Mm. And it's an honor, it's a privilege, and it's taxing. It's all yeah. of the above. It's good and it's hard. And so I'm just grateful to see people mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. live that out well. Yeah. Do that. If like your, your mom does a great job of that too, they're right in town with some of your grandparents. Yeah, I think just the church is such a great place for that because you still, you have value. So whether it's, you know, the very early Christians that are saving babies yep. or whether it's the early church now talking about how can we honor and respect and love those that are, you know, that are in in our care. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what the church does and does well. And so I'm blessed also at Emmanuel again for how how they do that and they model that yeah. for little ones all the way up to you know the folks with white and gray hair. And, and so. I don't know for you listening mm-hmm. where you're at relationally with some of your older family members, but sure. if they're your family, it is your responsibility to to help them to look after them. Um, mm-hmm. Not only physically, but also hopefully remind them the way of Jesus and like why you are doing what you're doing. Right. It's because the scriptures call us to do it. God loves you. God loves them. We're called to love everybody mm-hmm. else. And then so not only is it though like older folks, but also he starts talking about godly widows and ungodly widows. Mm-hmm. So verse five, he says, the widow who's really in need and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. Yeah. And then down in verse 10, it talks about the widows who are over 60, they need help. If she's right. known for her good deeds, such as bringing up her children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds, make sure you help these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we got to go out of our way. And then Paul also has a little bit of a rebuke in the midst of this, talking about ungodly widows. Yeah. Want to read verses 6 and 7 for us? Sure. Let me go back. I was looking at 11. Yeah. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that you may be without reproach. And then verses 11, 12, and 13. Yeah, that's where I was. Sorry, I have a, a thought after this. But refuse to enroll younger widows. For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry. And so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Hmm. Sorry, did you say 13? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like there's some gossip in just, town. Just saying what, how it is. You know, that's a firm, but kind. Um, oh, for sure. Here's the thing, t- taking care of, of who really has need. Yeah. Um, that's one, I actually quite sad story. When I was living in Haiti before Clark and I were married, um, we, I would work in a milk clinic and it was for all of these little children who, you know, had either been nursed by their mothers or needed to be nursed by their mothers. And it's so heartbreaking because the, the place where we were at could not help everybody. They couldn't, they did not have the funds. They didn't have the capacity. They could not help everybody. And so every day women would come and they would say, Hey, you know, we need help. And we would have to, every morning, we'd have to go meet out there with every woman that would show up and their little one. And we would have to say, you are sick and malnourished enough 
for us to be able to help you. Wow. So even if you were really hungry and maybe you were sick, but you were not starving, malnourished, really bad, then we couldn't. And that honestly, that's what this is talking about. Hmm. You have need. You don't have any family. You are an elderly woman that can't have any more family. Come in. The church is going to love and take care and bless and, and be there. And the church is still going to be there for other folks. But when you are able to do what you can, to have children, like they're saying, or to have a family, then, then do that. And I just think about that. Man, that just came back up to me. It's a, that's not an easy position to be in. I'll just say that when you have folks staring at you, you know, and so what would happen with those other folks is we would still be able to give them maybe like a grocery bag or two for the day. Every, it was every day was new. Um, and then the other folks that we could have come in, um, it would be probably right around maybe like 50 or 60. Then they would be a part of the food program where they would have food for sure every single day. Mm. And the other folks, they most likely they would have food, you know, day to day, but they would have to come back again the next day, come back again the next day. And so I just think about that really when the boots are on the ground, when it, like when you're doing this kind of thing every day in and out, working relationally with people, you're seeing the pain, you're seeing the hurt again, there does have to be order and instruction because otherwise then it's just everybody in and it's chaos and then the people who are the most vulnerable aren't getting what they need well that's the old darwin just a strong survive you just run people over and get what you need yes exactly and so that's what's going on is paul's instructing and and telling timothy hey take care of these people and this is how you take care of them empower people that can take care of their family empower them yeah and folks that don't have that then let's love them and anyway, so it's, it's hard. It's kind of hard to read this with our American vision in our eyes to think like, oh, well, you know, they, why can't they do that? Everybody should have a retirement or what a loop, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, that's not how it was. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just going back to the, the warning he gives us. And it's to the mm-hmm. specifically the women that were causing some problem in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. But really this word can be applicable to all of us. Yeah. Verses 13 yeah, through 15, basically he's saying don't uh, become idle and busybodies. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. gossip and get yourself in trouble. Right. And honestly... Any outside of like elderly who are retired, we all should have something we're doing regularly. God created us to work. Like going back mm. to Genesis one and two, sure. One of the primary things we were to do was to yeah. steward and reign and rule with to God do, over yeah. all of creation. And if we're not doing that, and we're just sitting in front of the TV or on our phone all day, yeah, it's actually like a violation of your soul. Of like it is counter cultural to like what God made you to do. Mm. And eventually, we just find ourselves doing things we probably shouldn't, watching things we probably shouldn't, thinking things we probably shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, we were just watching mm-hmm. this kind of a documentary and uh, on World War II, and basically after the war in Germany was essentially over, they were trying to figure yeah. out which soldiers were going to get stays. transported so, to the Pacific yeah. and which ones were heading towards Japan. And, and then this caused them to be stationary for months. Right, waiting. Waiting, yeah. but and they just said they had just as much violence and problems happening within guys in their own platoons that just yeah. had weapons and alcohol right. and nothing to do for yeah. a long time as they were dealing with their memories, yep. PTSD, mm-hmm. just the mundane stuff of life, and they were idle and, and bored. Right, so as safe as they've ever been. Yeah, this is the safest they'd ever yeah. been, and there's still just silly, painful, hard stuff popping up. Yeah. And I just think that's a good picture for us today. And there's there's people I'm walking with and encouraging. It's like, hey, do not be milking the government. Do not be looking for handouts. You are physically able to work. There's a ton of jobs yeah. out there. Mm. Go get it. Come on now. And uh, that's mm. what we're supposed to do. And uh, and then, but I also want to say it on the flip side of the coin, and that is, 
the the church shouldn't have to step in if the family is doing their job. And when it comes time for the church to help, we are excited and want to help. And so it's kind of two sides of the coin. We're eager to help. We want to help. And if people were, are are loving and taking care of those around them, then we we shouldn't have any problems here. Um, and so as he keeps going, uh, we have a fire. It sounds like not a fire. We have a kids fighting. World War Three in the front bedroom right now. So Bobby's stepping away. Um, Paul just continues to give further instructions on how people are to direct the church, handle these situations. Verses seventeen through nineteen are actually helpful to read and and practical for us today. Makes me laugh though. It says the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of a double honor especially those whose work is preaching and teaching for the scripture says do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses and i think maybe once or twice here i'll have someone come up to me and ask me hey what do you do for your real job (laughs) it's like what do you mean like why i get you here on sunday but like what do you do like um monday through saturday it's like, hey, this is this is more than a full-time gig here. And uh, when you look at it, what, what Timothy is being taught here is like, hey, pastors can get paid for making ministry their, their full-time calling. This is what God's called them to. Then this is a 24-7 deal where you're doing funerals, you're doing weddings, you're helping people through premarital counseling, you're trying to help people get marital counseling, you're helping, again, people get connected to the deacons for food and for clothes and for resources. You're helping people get connected to elders for spiritual and theological questions. You're getting men to the men's group, women to the women's group, couples to the couples group, teenagers with the older generation, kids to the youth program, um, writing a sermon, you know, last of all, and a number of other things that are just part of the, the job. And, uh, this is what we're called to do. And with this, what Paul is teaching here is that if you really follow God, expect there to be accusations and Satan to take some shots at you because he does not want you to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. And that's why what happens next here in the scripture is Paul is saying, if if a pastor gets accused, make sure it's legit. And because if pastors are doing something wrong, then there definitely needs to be consequences and they need to be pulled from their position. But if Satan's going to just rile up the gossipers and people who are talking smack and trying to get people in trouble for no good reason, make sure there are legitimately two or three witnesses that this is um, materialized and proven because you don't want to deal with this. There's this old pastor named Charles Spurgeon who has this kind of funny story. And this pastor is getting criticized, and it goes like this. There's a story going about that I had told my wife not to go to a certain church that had wild meetings. They say my wife went anyway, and I dragged her out of the church by her hair, and I hurt her so badly that she had to go to the hospital. Now, if you may, let me respond to these accusations. First of all, I never told her to stay away from that church. Second, I did not drag her out by her hair. Third, she never had to go to the hospital. Lastly, I've never been married and I do not have a wife. And I just got a <laughs> kick out of it where it's like people say ludicrous things sometimes and you oh. actually start pressing into going, can I fact check that real quick? And you find out none of this is true mm. at all. And what Charles Spurgeon continues to say, when people come to a pastor with gossip, he should say, well, all, all this isn't very important and I need to give it my full attention, but my memory isn't so good and I have a lot to think about. Can you please write this down for me? Charles Spurgeon would do this because he says the, this will take care of it because people often don't want to write down gossip. And if it's not legitimate, then they're not going to pursue it. 
And uh, mm-hmm. so while there's a reason to have checks and balances, accountability, and follow through, Paul is saying, Timothy, there's going to be people in Ephesus who are going to just try to cause you problems, get in theological baits that do not matter. Let the elders take care of it and uh, make sure you stay healthy and, and take care of yourself. Um, lastly, verse 22, and then I'll turn it back to you, Bobby. He says, do not be hasty then in the laying on of hands um, and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Essentially what he's saying there is don't ordain someone too quickly. I think on mm-hmm. Wednesday's podcast, we talked about how new converts yep. should not be promoted right. within the church um, leadership positions too quickly. So give it time. Let's see like who they are and and what they've got. And if they really love the Lord, if they're really repentant and uh, if there's fruit to their ministry, because if there is, then let's walk with them and encourage them and let's go for it. If they don't, right. then you know, you're going to regret that, that hiring really. It's just going to become a painful process. That's good stuff. You guys, first Timothy, I don't really have anything to add. Kit, I have Kit here. Kit, do you have anything that you would like to add? Yes, it's excellent. Big stamp, Washing kings, Russian conquers, as a Nehemiah, as a Joseph, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, Jeremiah, women teaching, she can dance there. Joe Israel, Joe McNair, Zachariah, Malachi, Zachariah, Malachi. It's so that Oh, we're gonna do the whole book here, the whole Bible. Let's okay. go. Let's just finish it. We're here. Ready? Matthew. Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, Christians, 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 Hey, there you go. That, if you cannot tell, was every book of the Bible. We've been singing that song. Yeah, getting used to it. So, Kit Kat, thank you so much for reminding everybody of the books of the Bible. But hey, thank you all for listening. I hope First Timothy has been a gift for you. Tomorrow you're going to wrap up the book in, in First Timothy chapter 6, and then we'll be transitioning to Second Timothy. As always, you're invited to our worship services on Sunday. We're live at 9, 10, 30, noon, 6 p.m., and we're online as well. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.